Are you in good company with healing? Well, you are now. This is my healing company, the place to awaken the divinity within you and heal the divine family through the power and authority of the mind, body, and spiritual technology. I'd like to start out by giving my name, Ricky Gamble, and introduce ourselves around the table. Hi, I'm Leslie Gamble. Hi, I'm Elena Marler. I'm here. This is Tyler Marler. Tonight we want to talk about the mind, because we talk about mind, body, and spirit. Whatever you believe and conceive, you will achieve, and whatever you profess will come to pass. And so, Leslie, would you like to say some words about that? I'm learning all this stuff right now as we go along, just like you guys. <laughs> I would, Ricky. I would like very much to say uh, what I have come to learn about that phrase, what the mind conceives and believes you will achieve and what you profess comes to pass. Because no truer words could be spoken. And the first time I heard it and started saying it, my kids started calling me on it. Anytime I would say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. They'd say, what the mind conceives and believes, Mom. And so I really have been on a journey and what was one of my greatest finds um, over a decade ago was to find Louise Hay. Louise Hay authored a book in the late 80s called You Can Heal Your Life. And the premise was that thoughts are things. She ended up in a seminar in her 50s and heard a statement from the stage that said, your thoughts are the most powerful things you have and your thoughts can be turned into physical things by the power of your mind. And when you stop and think about that, if you stop to think about that every thought that you have can create something around you, whether you think that it's manifestation of something instantaneously or the energy that you're drawing to you because that is the law of attraction. So we need a revolution of understanding the power that we all have inside of us. And the most important one of those powers is the power of our mind. And our mind is the core, the three-pound universe in between these earlobes that we get to create our stories and live from that story. And I think that what we're going to talk about tonight is the experiences that we've been having as a result of living that belief system from this three-pound universe. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, Leslie, how over the course of my married life, how this has been something that continues to come back up and up over over time. I know that in our last episode, I briefly mentioned how it's something that has continuously resurrected itself as I've lived my life. And through our faith tradition, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, I think a lot of times we talk about that as faith, right? That when we have faith and we have those positive thoughts in our minds, that then miracles happen. And so it's this really interesting idea that doesn't matter what, what faith tradition you come from, what cultural background, that we all have a word for this, right? This power that comes through the way that we think. And so it's amazing to me to see that connection and to be able to relate to that connection because it's not just something that Louise Hay experienced, but it's also something that all of us, regardless of where we live or what time period we live in, it's something that has been taught over millennia. I think one of the most critical aspects of the mind is its ability to learn new information and to be open to new ideas. 
I think something that uh, has happened to our culture today is that uh, many people have become closed-minded and have not allowed certain ideas that they may disagree with or have been taught differently to not be included in their life and their ability to conceive. And it can be very limiting and also lead to harm, whether that harm be self-harm, could be harm to others, could lead to violence. Having an open mind and being able to introduce new ideas and looking at things in different ways is really critical to what the healing company stands for. We really believe that in order to bring Zion to earth again, that all of us will have to come to the unity of the faith. And this is something that is going to combine truths from every religion that's on the earth today. Truly providing a translation, right? Providing a, a language that we can all understand and help bridge those, those differences that seemingly different that we have, you know, it doesn't matter what you call your divinity, you know, your divine connection, there is still a connection and we can't deny that. What we call it doesn't make a difference. And so I think that one of the biggest things as we talk about the power of the mind, I love that you touched on that, Tyler, is as we come together and we have these conversations, one of the most powerful things we have found is that if we come and we've put our blinders down, you know, our cultural blinders, our societal blinders, that we find that we have a lot more in common as a human family than we realize. Not only as a human family, but as we sit here today, all of us being born into a faith that is unique among all other Christian religions in the world. And we have the privilege of being taught a story in our minds that embodies a literal and physical mother in heaven. And that was called out to us in the 1860s by Elizabeth Cady Stanton, one of the founders of the women's suffragette movement, who was trying to change people's minds back then against slavery. The abolitionist movement is what founded the women's suffragettes. And then they said, well, we'd like to have some rights too. And Katie called out the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who was only four decades old at that point, you know, a, a young church, three, four decades old, for having given their women the ability to think of themselves and see themselves in their deity. Now, what's happened over the course of many decades and, you know, another century, we've put that idea on hold. And I'm wondering, Tyler, from the perspective of the masculine, why do you think that is? You know, I was just listening today to another podcast by Terrell and Fiona Givens, All Things New, and they were talking a little bit about this point. And many of the Calvinistic views from the Protestant church have kind of made their way into the culture of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the idea that God is a vengeful God, that he has you know is is all powerful and as opposed to a loving parent who is beckoning to his children to come home what a different story that is it's a very different story yeah it's completely different in our understanding of who we are and how we relate to each other you know we're taught growing up in sunday school that we're all children of god but then when there's not equality 
between man and woman, husband and wife in the church leadership. And really, when you look around culturally all over the world, there's this huge uh, patriarchal order that has been crippling us as a society, as a people. You know, it's really interesting. I recently heard about a very unique situation kind of touching on this. In history, women were not one to be educated. And so it's incredible to find examples of women who have been educated across the the centuries and across the, the millennia and how at the moment that they become educated and something is put inside their three pound brain, all of a sudden women no longer feel subservient all of a sudden women actually rise to to want to be equals. And one of the examples of this is, her name is Eloise. She is a French abbess of the 12th century. And she was a mistress and wife to the great medieval philosopher called Peter Abelard. And so it's this amazing story that also has this amazing love story in the process. But what she was writing at the time was that with her education, she found that she had a lot of feminist ideologies, you know, she was equal and she found herself to be equal, just as equal to her men predecessors. And because of that and because of her education, she not only went on to marry Peter Abelard, she later became a nun, but then she started her own convent with that education and with that knowledge. She became a great source of inspiration for the women of that time. So keep in mind that this is before the Renaissance. And so to have a medieval woman pillar figure that we can look up to is just incredible. And what was the difference between her and the other women was that very one core thing that you had mentioned at the very beginning, Leslie, is what was in her mind? What power was she given because she was given that knowledge? And knowledge really is the point that we really need to focus on as we discuss this, right? Because without knowledge, we are nothing. Absolutely. And so I feel as if... What you just expressed is such a beautiful example of what we as members of this faith, given this knowledge, can give to the world. I just recently heard a TED Talk by President Jimmy Carter from 2015. In my opinion, one of the greatest presidents of our lifetime. And he states emphatically that here we are in this 21st century with the number one problem still being the abuse and the lack of equality for women and girls. He calls it out right there. And he says the beginning of this has to happen in the religions. He actually separated from his religion because of their lack of supporting women and girls in equal fashion. In fact, even so much so, creating a even more subservient position for them as late as the 2000s. So he goes on record to say that every religion in the world needs to adopt a premise of bringing the balance to the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Now here we have been given this privilege. What are we doing with this powerful knowledge for ourselves and for the women in this world? What would that do to heal divine families in our faith and in every faith across the world? It's unimaginable to think about because it's so foreign, I think, to our current society. We don't even have an idea, except for possibly, you know, we touch back to what you had mentioned last last episode, Ricky, about Tutankhamun and what was the other? Akhenaten and, and Nefertiti. Thank you. I totally got Their that wrong. Their son was Tutankhamun. Yes. Oh, well, so I wasn't oh, totally okay. off. Hey. Same family. Same family. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you know, and we see with that example how with having that equality, you know, we have this in history. This is recorded history. Yes. What that does for an entire civilization. I mean, was it 300 years of peace? 3,000 years of peace the Egyptian culture experienced because of having their leadership be co-pharaoh of a man and a woman. Divine masculine, divine feminine. Sometimes they were married, sometimes it was brother and sister. But it's interesting that you brought up Akhenaten and Nefertiti because they were the last vestige of that, that example. And then the Amon priesthood became more powerful. The men decided that they could change this back and, and have it back to the patriarchal rule. And they destroyed their kingdom, you know, uh, murdered everyone except for Tutankhamun, who was King Tut, who we know as King Tut, their eldest son, who died very young, but still was the person who ascended to the throne in the new patriarchal order that Egyptian then culture evolved to. And then it's been a warring culture ever since. So we see exact example right there of what can happen with a balance of divine masculine and divine feminine in peaceful existence and what has happened as a result that we've been experiencing in all of our lifetimes and for the last several millennia. How did it work out with Queen Elizabeth? She was the queen of England for how many years? She was the divine feminine and the divine masculine was her husband. What title did he have? I, I, I'm not sure, but they got along well. The, the country got along okay. I think that's a really good example, Rick actually, of the embodiment of a queen who, who didn't have absolute power by any means. In fact, really relatively little power per se. She had absolute respect and what that gave the women in England, and I had the privilege of living in England for a time, and without a doubt, there's a very different way that women feel about themselves in other countries, especially England and France, where they have much more self-respect because of Queen Elizabeth, because of Catholicism being very secure in an adulation of Mother Mary. You know, just little things like that that start to creep in. Mm -hmm. But here we have a chance to have a complete revolution of thought that we had been given in our restoration of the gospel. And it's time. It's time to bring that out for our daughters and granddaughters. Exactly. So I think that we then come back to the question is, so how do we do that, right? How do we do that in a society that is that is so filled with stereotypes and so filled with social media, Instagram, TikTok, you know, all of these things that tell women they need to buy things to make them happy. They tell women that the only way that they will find happiness is if they serve themselves alone crazy, crazy statistic I recently heard is that during COVID, 40% of the births that occurred between ages 15 and 44, I believe, were two single mothers. That is a staggering statistic when you think about it. It's this idea that I don't need a man. I can do this by myself. And, and that's thanks to, I think, a huge part to media and how media has almost, in fact, glorified single motherhood. So going back to your question, Melena, about how can we do that? How can we help achieve a balance again? And I wanted to talk about this last weekend, Milena and I went on a retreat to Panama City Beach, Florida. It was a new moon retreat where 
we were able to work with a shaman and learn about energy healing. As you may know, I'm a doctor of osteopathic medicine, so I do osteopathic manipulative treatment. I've had some experience with treatment practices such as Reiki, but but nothing like what we experienced this last weekend. And the addition of many of the Eastern medicine practices and, and also practices that are thousands of years old that have nothing to do with big pharma and you know, and medications, but have everything to do with our our divinity, with you know where we came from, how we were made. You know, each of us has an energetic signature, and we're all connected because we are all connected. We have been placed here to help lift each other up to provide healing and each of us has different gifts. I have always been taught that we should seek after spiritual gifts. That was something that I tried to start very actively doing on my mission as a missionary when I was serving in Florida. But I recently learned, I was listening to a book called Psychic and psychic abilities are very similar to spiritual gifts. They're basically the same thing. It's just, you know, taking a a different perspective on it, being able to make sure that you're always giving the credit to God. We do believe that one day we can become like our Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, but that we're still in training. We are practicing in becoming divine beings. And our, our Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother have given us a portion of their love, power, whatever you want to call it. And, and we can exercise those spiritual gifts or psychic abilities to bless the lives of others. And really that's the two great commandments is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, might, mind, and strength. And to love thy neighbor as thyself. And that is such a beautiful entrance to what I've had the opportunity, all of us have been experiencing amazing transformative experiences because of the thoughts we've been having. We've been attracting into our lives circumstances that are bringing us confirmation of those thoughts. We're thinking about these things. We are desiring for them to be present in our lives. And now they're being created in circumstances in all of our lives. So what's happened to Ricky and I, we were privileged to go to the Iowa State Fair, which is an experience all in and of itself, having been born and raised in the West Coast and just here in the Midwest the last couple of years. But on that trip, we met a young woman who has now become a staple part of our lives in terms of of friendship and business, and most specifically, someone who less than two months ago would have called herself an agnostic who was seeking for some kind of a spiritual connection because she has four daughters but really wouldn't have claimed to have had much belief in it or certainly any allegiance to it and when I started talking to her about our understanding of a divine masculine and feminine a balanced heaven a heavenly mother and at first she had to take her time to assimilate this information but then out of the clear one day one of her daughters asked her mom why is everything men why is it a men why do we have to say everything about men she realized that it was something that is so important so went on a journey herself of study and discovery and what I have gotten to see is the literal example of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly from someone who had no knowledge, I mean literally a spiritual virgin. But she has now 
this beautiful relationship with her Heavenly Mother and kneels in prayer with her daughters in relationship. And what it's done for her and her family in these just eight weeks is, it is so inspiring to know that that is the power that this message has to heal, to see it in real time happening. That is so inspiring, Leslie. It really is inspiring to see those transformations in, in people's lives and to see the light just exude as they gain that knowledge, right? It's really interesting. It makes me think about also in terms of the mind, how when you provide women with that knowledge and you provide women with the ability for them to think for themselves in society, I think the greatest thing we have to overcome is the notion that an educated woman is one who is to be feared. If you have an opinion as a woman, you know, you have this stigma that you are, you're too opinionated and you're too bossy. Instead of having, you know, these very positive labels for women, we have instead, you know, changed it to this very negative perspective. And so as a woman who has been educated and seeks after learning, it's amazing to see how intimidating it is when in certain circles to be in that space and to almost, in a lot of ways, really try to, you know, cover my light because I do not want to outshine, God forbid, I outshine the man who I'm standing next to because then I'm looking for attention. I'm looking to be praised when that, that isn't the case at all. It's just have, being able to have a face-to-face a -face conversation. Throughout history, what were these women called who were educated? What were these women called who, who had this knowledge and, and actually tried using it to change for good? Well, there was a period of time when they were called witches and burned at the stake. Exactly. Exactly. How dare you? Step out of line. So as a result of that, we started hiding our light under the bushel. Exactly. And, and our ability to speak was drastically affected because if we spoke as women, we no longer felt like we had the power. And, and quite literally, we were sacrificed in the name of that uh, because of the deeply held beliefs that we've had in terms of writing, correcting this long-held perception that women are subservient and, and less capable and less superior to the men's psyche. Really, this is a, a huge focus and, and win for Satan in trying to disrupt really the, the happiness and progression of all of God's children. Because if he can cut down women who really hold the origin of life, who are co-partners in creation of bringing all the children of God into the world, then it, it makes it a lot easier for men who tend to screw things up a lot more. They make it very difficult for, for the world to get to a place where Jesus Christ can come back and, and rule and reign. You know, it makes sense to me why he would work so hard to really demonize women, especially women who, who had strong spiritual gifts or psychic abilities and who were labeled as witches and were purported and, and seen as being dangerous and you know, something to be feared when that really wasn't the case. Uh, many of these women were abused, were severely traumatized, and because of trauma that's been experienced, by especially women throughout the history of this world, now is the time that we need to start healing that trauma. 
and the, the focus that we need to have on our Heavenly Mother is so very critical because we've been focusing for the last 6,000 plus years on our Heavenly Father. And we need both. But, but now it's time for Heavenly Mother to shine. Amen. And a women. <laughs> <laughs> One book that I've recently been exposed to that I'm in the process of reading is called Women Who Run With the Wolves. Myths and Stories of the Wild Woman Archetyped by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And it's amazing because in her introduction, she talks about exactly what it is that we're talking about. You know, over the course of history, this wild woman has been suppressed, just as the wildlife all around us has been destroyed. And she kind of creates this uh, comparison of how the way that we have treated the earth around us is really evident to how we treat the women in our lives around us and how they really go hand in hand. I really love this quote that she brings up. She says, the modern woman is a blur of activity. She is pressed to be all things to all people and the old knowing is long overdue. And so one of the things that's so great about this, this book is she goes on and talks about different cultural stories and different ways that women have been portrayed over different cultures and how that helped determine the way women were seen in those older cultures to kind of help resurrect the older way of us being able to honor that wild woman and to not see it anymore as a wild woman but to see it truly as the divine woman exactly. that divine feminine and you know i think that one thing that we're talking about a lot right now is the power that comes through the divine feminine but how would this benefit because i think the biggest thing that that the men in general in society are afraid of is losing that power, how can us raising women in the eyes of men help the men? I can only go by what I go through at work every night. That, that's where my life is. And I'm a dealer. When the people aren't winning, they like to accuse me of taking their money. Although I, I have nothing to do with it. I'm just delivering the mail, so to speak. But the women, they get so upset with me I have to stop and look at him. I look at him right in the eye and I say, I love you. And it just changes everything. I gave him some respect or whatever, instead of hearing men or women, or mostly just the men go off and use every foul word you can think of when they're losing. And some of the women do it too. And I don't, I don't tell the men so much that I love them because you know, it, it gets off on a tangent, but I give the respect to the women that I love them. And so they would know that I'm not, I'm not the bad guy. I'm not trying to take their money. I'm, I hope they win. I want them to win because then I can get a tip maybe. I mean, I work for tips. But, <laughs> but you see how love turns it around. Yeah, we have a big Asian clientele that comes in and mostly plays Baccarat. And I dealt Baccarat in Las Vegas for 30 plus years. And so I'm well qualified and I'm an expert about that. But the Asian women, they, well, they look at me and they go, I love you a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I love you a long time too. And, and it's nice to create a kind of respect towards each other you know, I'm just coming from basics about thoughts or things, negativity and what the mind conceives and believes you will achieve. And my wife, Leslie, is teaching me to get out of that because I've always been, what if, 
what if we're going to write a check for something today and how much? Who cares? You just write it for what is necessary. But uh, Leslie is helping me get out of this. And that's for my mind. When we all start talking, I don't talk too much about it. When you all start talking about uh, history and religion and things like that, I'm learning. You know, I'm, I'm a kindergartner, preschool, learning this stuff. And, and I really appreciate being a part of the healing company because it allows me to get this healing every podcast that we get to be a part of. So mind, body, and spirit. And uh, I want to get to the body too because it's hurting me. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, that's all in your mind. <laughs> if, I, if I could just say one thing that has come to me at my age now I get different things going on I get a leg problem I've got headaches I've got this or that and if I say it to somebody or think it out loud or all of a sudden it appears on my phone so I just got this feeling that it's the same way about a divine masculine divine feminine praying to mother god praying to father god praying to the angels because then I will get the answers from them instead of the phone, which is better answers. They're, they're not trying to make any money off me. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's where I'm at with uh, mind, body, and spirit right now, because I'm a newbie and I pray that everybody that's listening can benefit from what is being said today. I love that, Rick. Yeah, yes. I, I really appreciate that insight. Yeah, there, there are so many voices that are vying for our attention every day. And many of us are caught in a very busy lifestyle. It can be very difficult to ground yourself and come back to do some self-care. That was something that Melena and I did this last weekend on this retreat. One of the self-care activities that we participated in was called Qigong. That was really powerful for me. We did a 35-minute session that was specifically for healers. And as an osteopathic physician, I consider myself a healer, continuing to refine that practice. Being able to reground myself using those movements was life-changing for me. One of the things that I try to do before my school day starts as a teacher is I spend 10 to 15 minutes and I meditate in my classroom. And that has been incredibly helpful because I specifically actually focus on what you were just saying on grounding and how important it is as a teacher and as an educator to be grounded so that you don't pick up all of the energy of all of the students that you're going to be interacting with. We had a surprise fire drill on Monday and it was the entire school but at that time I had a fifth grade class and one of the students overheard me talking to another teacher who was giving me a heads up that there was going to be a surprise fire drill. And she got the look of complete panic on her face. Miss Marler, I can't do this. I am unable to do this. I cannot do this. And so as the kids were filing into my classroom and she's standing there and she's having a little moment of panic, as soon as everyone left, I looked at her and I said, you are completely fine. You are safe. And I want you to say it. I am safe. And she said, I am safe. And I said, I am taken care of. I am taken care of. I can do this. I can do this. And I said, now I want you to take three nice big breaths, but not just, I want you to go take a nice deep breath in and sigh. And I kind of made a really funny sound in the process, you know? And 
her her eyes kind of lit up and she was like, Miss Marler, you're so silly. She really kind of rolled her eyes at me, but she did. She took a nice big deep breath. And she perked up. Wow, that, that really helps. So I said, I just need you to keep doing that until it's time for this fire drill to happen. She said, okay. The fire drill happened. I jumped because it's a fire. It's a surprise fire drill. You never. I'm in the middle of teaching. I mean, I jumped out of my skin, but knowing that this was happening, I knew what to do. And the kids were freaking out. Is this a real thing? Is this a real thing, Miss Marler? We're gonna be okay. Let's just get outside. And I checked on her as we were filing out of the classroom, and I said, "So how are we doing?" And she said, "I am completely at peace." And it was a moment of truth for me because here I was. I was able to connect with this. 11 year old girl and how just saying this affirmation that I am safe I can do this I am cared for and then having those three breaths that really rewired her brain for that affirmation she was a completely different person you know the whole class in fact went through the fire drill and they were amazing but a lot of it I feel like has to do with in my classes we start before we do anything I have assigned a student to be our class psychologist. And their job as the class psychologist is to provide an affirmation for the day. And so we had just heard our affirmation for the day when this fire drill went off and we had just finished reciting it. And so it was kind of like the kids were all ready. Like they could they could conquer the world just because of the fact that we had literally just recited this affirmation and I told them when we got back that that was the most flawless fire drill I had ever done in the years that I had been teaching and I really believe it has to do with that power of the mind in being able to control and children are so impressionable that you say that to them and it sticks a lot longer because they haven't been jaded by society they haven't been tainted by the reality of of the world that they live in those voices aren't quite there. And so you tell them that I am smart, I'm capable, I can accomplish my dreams, and they do believe it. And they will believe it. Well, you've just given me a brilliant um, segue into something that is included in my book, which is changing the Lord's Prayer to involve both divine masculine and divine feminine. That's where we need to start it. We need to start it by speaking it. So our mother and father who art in heaven hallowed be thy names thy queen and kingdom come thy wills be done on this earth as it is in your heavens give us this day our healthy daily bread and forgive us our debts and trespasses as we forgive those who are indebted and trespass against us leave us not into the temptation of selfishness or lack of self-esteem, but deliver us from the evil of greed and intense pride. Bring us all under the banner of a divine masculine and divine feminine, for thine is the queen and kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen, a women, and so it is. We need to use words. Words are our power. You are so right. Words are the power. Words are the power. In a lot of ways. Shakespeare told us that. Yes. The pen is mightier than the the sword. sword. Every time. Every time. Every time. So, that being said, I recently read that the largest collection of a petition was by the women's suffragettes 
for the abolitionists. Apparently at that time they got 400,000 signatures to say, we need to end slavery. Well, I think we need to end the slavery of women in heaven. We need to end the war in heaven and invite the divine feminine into each heart and home. And, and empower, empower women, women to empower, empower the men. And empower women to stand by and empower their men. Because it, it's not about women being over men. I, I hope that no one who's listening feels like we are in favor of this. Truly, I believe that as women are given the power, that men will be able to come into their true divinity and come into their true purpose as husbands, as fathers, as friends, as brothers, as sons, because they can truly see their purpose and the necessary respect needed and self-control needed as they view the female counterpart in that divinity. I can tell you that from looking at my husband and other men in this world, they are ready and wanting someone to stand by their side, shoulder to shoulder, lock arms, and let's do this together. I absolutely believe without a doubt that men are looking for sacred partnership even more so than we are. I think women are at a point where we're so frustrated, like you're saying, the statistic of single mothers. The reason is because they're not going to let us in their club, so we're going to have to do it ourselves. Well, we are in their club. We are in one club together, divine masculine, divine feminine. And our Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father are here to love us unconditionally and guide us to have a new club moniker of divine masculine, divine feminine in balance. Put our shoulders to the wheel. Our shoulders. Together. Together. Our shoulders. That's, that's what we're doing here is healing the divine family. You know, without the mind of a male and the mind of a female, we really don't see the whole picture. There are distinct structural differences as well as spiritual differences. And the perspective that men have versus women is very different. Women see things differently than men. And because that viewpoint has not been put on a world stage, because most of the world leaders are male, we have had an imbalance of the masculine mind ruling the world and the feminine mind being placed on the shelf. And, and cleaning up the messes. And, <laughs> yes, and, and, and trying to clean up the mess that our world is in, but you know, needing some more help here. And thankfully, our Heavenly Mother is swooping in, bringing in her legion of angels to assist us. I really believe that. You know, we are surrounded on our right hand and on our left uh, by angels, and we know that these angels are male and female. And so when, when we are able to, to receive those messages, as Rick was talking about earlier, through the power of the Holy Ghost and through that spiritual connection we have to our Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, then we can receive that spiritual technology to know the changes that we need to make in our own lives in order to elevate the women in our lives and to bring back that balance in the world. The Scientific American, Tanya Lewis in 2013, was quoting some 
research that was done in connection to exactly what you're talking about, the differences between male brains and female brains. And she says, quote, on average, men connect from front to back parts of the brain more strongly than women, whereas women have stronger connections left to right. And this is the thing that's interesting. So previous studies have found behavioral differences because of that in men and women. For example, women may have a better verbal memory and social cognition. So we are better at paying attention to certain details, right? Some visual details, different nuances, Mm -hmm. and the ability to see social situations as women. Men, on the other hand, are better at motor and spatial skills. So here we have a society that's very focused on motor, and spatial skills, and and very few of the nuances and the visual things that you see, and the ability to communicate, and the social. I mean, look at the social problems we're dealing with. It's because there is such a drought of being able to see that perspective in our society that we truly are only going from from front to back. Well, we're limping. We are limping along as a society on half our battery power. Why would any civilized, educated, you know, intellectual people be so silly to do that? We have to ask ourselves why. I mean, I think we're at the point where we can say, all right, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Let's back up for a better start. We also have a common, well-known person in our church, Sherry Dew, who has been in church leadership for four decades or more. And recently she's quoted as having said, having worked with many of the prophets, having led the largest supplier of church books and materials, Deseret Book, she has come out recently in a leadership conference to say, in my experience, if you have a organization and all men are making a decision, you are not going to get the right decision. At the same level, if you have an organization of all women making the decision, you're not going to get the right decision. We know this to be true. We would not use half of the computer and say, okay, I'm going to take half the guts out of this computer and only let this half make my computations. We wouldn't do that. But we've been doing it in our society for millennia. So I believe it's time to change. Because... What the mind conceives and believes you will achieve. And what you profess comes to pass. And I know we are going to end the war in heaven and create peace on earth by divine sacred partnership. That's what I know. I'm right there with you, Leslie. I believe that we truly are on that path. And and I see it happening in our lives. And it's because of exactly what you're saying. We as women are coming to. We are stepping into that role of divinity. And you can see it all around us. One, I think that there's also a call to the men in the world. I know Ricky and I are definitely on board with seeing the divine feminine. I don't want to say that we've been lied to. I think we've been misinformed <laughs> for the majority of our lives because of the culture that we've lived in and what we've been taught and how things have been presented to us. You know, there are very few religions, spiritual practices that worship a female deity, and the ones that do have been demonized. And this has really kept a lockdown on Mother in Heaven until Joseph Smith came along and said, no, there really is a Mother in Heaven, and she's a loving, divine being that is married, eternally connected, 
There's this companionship with our Heavenly Father. And so, you know, this idea, I'm sure, has had to have been known by other inspired men and women who've lived on this earth throughout the ages, but it has never been a mainstream concept. And as it was introduced through Joseph Smith and the church and the Relief Society was organized, the rest of the world was not quite ready to accept a Heavenly Mother in her full glory. We feel that now is the time that she is really unleashing that full glory in a very loving and beckoning home type of way. If there was ever a time that we needed more love on this planet, this is the time. If we just think about what's happening in Israel right now, I think we could all just pause for a moment and say, if there was ever a time that a heavenly mother was needed to pour out love, this is the time. We need more love, not less. And we need to feel and download in our spiritual technology the love of our mother in heaven and our sister Magdalene and other saints and apostles and priestess and prophetesses that have lived through the ages. We need to talk about them and celebrate them and respect them equally so that little girls and little boys learn to see one another through those eyes. The way that we've set it up, we put men and women, boys and girls, against one another instead of creating a divine arena in which they can see themselves from heaven to earth and mirror that, mirror that example so that there is a completely different foundation from which to grow their relationships. Well said, Leslie. I know I've learned a lot tonight. I appreciate everyone's comments. It's been very uplifting. And we'd like to hear from you because we're looking, we're searching. We're searching for the avenue to break through the stronghold of fear so that we can get this message of love and mother in heaven out to the masses. Because I have seen, not only in my own life in the last decade, and Ricky can attest to this too, what it's done in our home, and I know you guys too can also attest to what Mother in Heaven's love, but to see someone who I've just come to know and to see the transformation in her heart and, and her children and her relationship with her spouse, to know that that kind of healing is possible. I'm so proud to be part of the healing company and bring that to the world. Exactly, yes. and we are here standing with our minds open yes, and prepared to be taught in the process because we truly do not attest to know all things. In fact, we are seeking after all things that are lovely, it's virtuous. Lovely and of good report. And so please provide us with your comments, provide us with your insights. We would love to learn from you. And uh, and join with you. Yeah. Amen. A women in. And so, so it is. is. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on your healing journey at My Healing Company. We hope you found inspiration, knowledge, and insights that can empower you and your family to live a more balanced and divine life. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing, we invite you to explore our services and resources at MyHealingCompany.com. There, you will find a wealth of information, services, workshops, and events to support your path to healing and transformation. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media for the latest updates, interviews, and enlightening content. Your feedback and questions are always welcome. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out. 
Remember, healing is a continuous journey that is best done through the power of spiritual technology. We are here to support you every step of the way. Take good care of yourself and stay connected with us for more healing insights and wisdom. Until next time, continue to awaken your divinity through the power of your mind, body, and spirit.